Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast when a couple pastor scholars dig into the Word of God using a seasonally appropriate scripture passage. We hope that it'll be enjoyable and edifying for all, and especially equipping for pastors or teachers who are working on sermons or lessons in the upcoming weeks. I'm your host, John Drury. I teach systematic theology and spiritual formation for Wesley Seminary at Indiana Wesleyan University. My guest this week is Sophia Fasua. Uh, Sophia is a retired professor of spiritual formation and Christian worship and preaching as well uh, from Wesley Seminary. And before that, she'd been a missionary, a denominational official, local church pastor, and a whole host of other things. Uh, she's the author of uh, numerous books and articles, and you can uh, find her stuff in uh, all the major online book uh, stores. And our, our text this week is Thessalonians, excuse me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 24. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 24. And this is the epistle reading for the third Sunday of Advent in year B, which we are beginning uh, this month. Make sure to subscribe if you're not already so you never miss an episode. And as you're listening, if you're enjoying the show, hit the share button on your podcast player app of choice to pass this show along to others so that they may benefit as well. Uh, Thanks for listening and for supporting the show uh, by getting the word out and by listening, of course, and uh, by becoming a patron uh, this January when that launches. And uh, enjoy this conversation with Sophia. God's word coming from 1 Thessalonians 5, beginning at verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise the words of prophets, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. The word of God Mm. for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to to God. God. (laughs) Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks. Uh, for, <laughs> well, we give you thanks in all things, <laughs> uh, in the midst of everything, both good and evil, we offer our word of thanksgiving unto you, thanking you for the way that you provide and the way that you guide and the way that you speak. We thank you especially for this uh, word of God uh, spoken through the apostle's mouth and preserved by your church through the ages. And we ask now that the spirit that inspired the apostle and the spirit that was moving in the Thessalonian peoples and the spirit that preserved this text, that that same very Mm -hmm. Holy spirit would be at work in us this hour in Sophia and I, as we 
listen and speak. And all our listeners, wherever they are across time and space, that we all may be equipped by your spirit to become bearers of the word. Father, give us the strength for this task and the joy of this gift, this very hour. In the name of your son, we pray. Amen. Amen. So, Sophia, I think this is our uh, first epistle lesson to do together on the show. It You've is. Been a it regular. is. It feels different. We've been in the Old Testament for so long. I thought, yeah, oh, something changed. And then I realized this is Advent. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, great, yes. great, great. Yeah, so we did Gospels for a year. You were the first guest other than Aaron Perry. I think you were like the third or fourth episode years mm-hmm. ago. We did we did a passage in Luke, and and you did a few more Lukes with me. Yes. Um, and then we did OT last year, and then just now because it's year C, year B, we're in the new year. We're we're switching to the epistles now for the most part. I mean, we'll vary some, but for the year, so. Yeah, so we'll see how that that plays out. But what's uh, what's grabbing you in this passage today? What uh, what's capturing well, uh, your attention? Something that is grabbing me that the the, the listeners would not have heard. We had a false start because I couldn't see the the tiny print in my other Bible. I reached <laughs> for another Bible. I keep a bunch of Bibles on my desk. I'm still old fashioned that way. I reached oh, for yeah, another Bible, too. which was a different translation, and heard mm-hmm. the um, heard the, the the text a little differently. And so when we read it uh, in the uh, NRSV, and let me find that again and and pull that up. When I looked at verse 19, uh, this is uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, do not quench the spirit. And Mm -hmm. that almost lines up with the old King James text, quench Mm -hmm. not the spirit, you know. But when you're getting into the text over in the... um, NIV, and I had the old NIV. I realize NIV has gone through a couple of of, of sure. and so forth. But in the old NIV, do not put out the spirit's fire. Yeah, that, that I hear nice. something a little differently. <laughs> yeah, I look at the two of those. Uh, you know, quench not the spirit, or do not quench the spirit. That that's kind of the familiar one, the one many of us memorize. But do not put out the spirit's fire. When Which is is it's a nice expansion because that's what it means to quench a thing. Yeah, but it's be- it's an old fashioned word, so it's almost become a religious word where we don't really know what what right. it means, right? right? But that's what right. it means to quench. That's that's the context in which that word would be. It's in every when Paul said it, it wasn't he wasn't it wasn't Bible talk. It was that was that was a an everyday word, right? Uh, right. It'd be the the word. You could almost have a snuff out. Uh, yeah. You almost, um, but put out the spirit's fire. I think is that's uh, powerful, powerful language. So it makes me want to look in, th- in the Greek, and I don't have my Greek New Testament over on the desk because my Greek is fading over the years. But it makes me also almost want to go and see uh, how it how it compares. You know, so for those of you who do word studies and and run references that way. I would I would study that word, the, the the word that's used for quench. I would yeah. study that word and see exactly what is it that they're trying to uh, convey to us right here. It it conveys to me that the spirit of God is moving, and sometimes we get in the way 
or sometimes mm. uh, we want to suggest an alternative route to God's destination that, that somehow we're involved in getting in God's way. Mm-hmm. And I'm hearing that, that, that in, internal thing go on because we are, um, we're going through some rough times right now. This is yeah. being taped uh, a few months before Advent, but we're going through some rough times. People, families are going through rough times. The country is going through rough times. The, the world is going through rough times. And we keep crying out, where is God? What is God doing? And sometimes I wonder if we might be getting in God's way. Huh. So that's how I'm hearing it. And of course, I'm hearing it outside of the context that this was, was, and I I really want to talk to you later about context, you know, what was happening in Thessalonica when this was being written to them and what was happening in the Greco-Roman world at the time. But reading it from the 21st century easy chair, you know, I'm still seeing that we might be getting in God's way. God is up to something all the time. God is yeah. always up to something, and we are always up to something, and sometimes we're working at cross purposes. So that's the thing that I, that's kind of starting to percolate within me right now when I when I hear these words. No, I, I dig it. I mean, we could do a, we could do a. I'm so relieved. Uh, I mean, I've been loving the, I've been stretching my Hebrew uh, <laughs> last year, but uh, yeah, I got my Greek open, and I'm like, oh. This, this is easy town now, but I mean, we can do as my Greek is. (laughs) Yeah. There, there's, uh, there's eight uses of this word. If we want to do a a quickie word study right now, Okay. Okay. eight uses in the new Testament. I just popped it up and on, on Bible hub. And one is, uh, in Matthew 12 with Mm. its parallel in Matthew, uh, in Mark nine, where he's talking about uh, a fire that will not go out. So it's in a, so it's the same kind of fire context. I'm looking for the larger context in Matthew 12 there, verse 20. That's the first use. It's kind of in a, it's a, it's an, it's in a kind of eschatology kind of setting, but uh, he withdrew. He, you know, he warned them where it is. Behold, I've chosen I would delight and the spirit is on me to bring justice to the Gentiles he will, yeah, it's from a quote. It's he's quoting. It's quoting from from Isaiah. Okay. Yeah. So that's that gives some resonances for that quenching language, and then it shows up again in uh, in the Matthew twenty five, the little parable when the when the virgins are worried that their that their fires will go out will go out. So it's yeah. another fire. So the the godl, the other one is this quote from Isaiah that the fire will not go out. Uh, until it's uh, uh, burned up what it needs to be able to do. Ephesians uh, 16.6 is the next one. Let me just glance at that real quick. Not to interpret all these texts, but just to kind of give some context. Um, How the word itself. Take up the shield of faith with which you will be able. (laughs) To extinguish. uh, There it is. The flaming arrows of the evil one. Okay, okay. Extinguish. This fire thing thing is really something worth pursuing as Mm -hmm. we look at this text. Because I think, this is is Advent, I think one of those Advent texts may eventually say something about, uh, I'm not worthy to to tie his shoes, but Hmm. one who comes after me will come with unquenchable 
fire. Fire, is yeah. Yeah, there, there's a fire thing going on that he's gonna he's gonna cleanse us. He's gonna baptize us in the spirit. And there it is, baptize in the spirit and fire. So, so this fire thing is in the season. You know, mm-hmm. you don't think of Advent and fire. You think of Advent and you know, whatever. But uh, fire is in the season, and I see this whole Thessalonians text that we're we're treating today as a sanctification text. Hmm. A sanctification yeah. text. Often we define sanctification in terms of what we do not do. Hmm. But this <laughs> text, yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't, I don't. Uh, drink, I don't smoke, I don't go out with those who do, you know, but um, sanctification is often a cleansing, a purification of our character, our demeanor, our our way of being with people, our way of even thinking when we're in the dark alone and no one else is watching what is happening to our innermost being. And so being mm. joyful, always pray continually, give Thanks. You know, don't put out the spirit's fire. All of these things, don't put out the fire that's cleansing you. Right, right, right. I'm seeing this really as a strong sanctification text and um, given in the context of some pretty hard times. Mm -hmm. Christianity was not just all... Uh, we're running to each other's house, breaking bread, and we're joyful, and we're having a great time here. No, from the very first part of Acts, they are taken in front of magistrates and councils mm-hmm. for speaking the name of Jesus. So they are always a group held in suspicion, and later they're accused of being cannibals because of this is my body, this is my blood. They're you know they're they're a, a group that's under a cloud, and so it's not all fun and games and happy happy joy joy and let's just praise jesus all day it's i'm taking a risk i'm losing my job i'm alienated from my family but jesus is still enough for me but i could do that and be bitter and mean and cantankerous because i've hunkered down so this sanctification text be joyful always give Mm -hmm. thanks in all circumstances pray without ceasing you know i i see it as a counter to what could happen when we hunker down in our faith oh that's good that language of hunkering down because Oh, yeah. It's so, and that's the problem when we only picture sanctification as purity without power, you know, mm-hmm. as, mm-hmm. as water and not also as fire. I mean, fire. the spirit is water, but the spirit's also yes. fire. Yes. When we think of it in those purity and separationist terms, which aren't false, but it's not the whole picture, then the temptation becomes, well, why not just not get dirty in the first place? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and and then that gets radicalized. I know for me, as a as an introverted person, as an old soul, loves yeah. old monastic things. You know, to me, when things get uh, when things get hot <laughs> uh, in the world, you know, yes. Uh, yes. politically in the churches, in uh, just the challenges of you know quarantine and other things, my tendency is to withdraw. And, and it's, and it's very easy for me to frame that as an act of holiness, you know, um, as a, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pursuing holiness in withdrawal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Going off to pray. And again, that's not, you know, 
absolutely false, but it's one-sided. Yep. It's right. not it's, the whole story. It's one-sided. It's, it's not the whole, you know, because, you know, my, the, the short uh, explanation that I received of the early monastic movement, uh, St. Anthony of the desert was that mm-hmm. he went out to the desert because he was just too distracted in the city, you know, mm-hmm. too distracted by the, the, the corruption, the, the, the hypocrisy, the insincerity, the, and he wanted to be a holy person. And so, yeah, I can do it better by myself, you know? So that was the short <laughs> reduction version of the, mm-hmm. this, the beginning of the monastic movement that I got, but the, the movement took hold as I remember it, because they followed him out there to yes. see how do you live this godly life, and yeah. from then the communities and all that began to form, but going back to this whole issue of sanctification and good humor, humor hmm. being, you uh. know, with a, a, maybe with an O-U-R in the, in the old English sure. uh, sense of the word, a being of good temperament, because I see this as going after the temperament of Christians. Huh. If you go to the verse before there, and I'm reading this one from the uh, New International, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. This is a temperament passage. Yeah. Yeah. John Wesley would talk about holy tempers. That was a favorite phrase yeah, of holy his. humors. Yeah. 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 Holy humors, holy tempers, your demeanor, your spirit. And it's not just feelings as it were. No, right? not at all. But it isn't just behavior. It's kind of halfway between emotion and behavior. It's a, it's a, an attitude, a perspective, a disposition, Disposition. Right? Disposition might be the key term. Disposition. And so in some sense, we can will, unlike emotions, which are just there and they come and go. They just do. Um, and unlike actions, which can fail um, because there's other wills involved, we actually do have a measure of freedom about the kind of disposition we're going to cultivate. Maybe not in every single moment, but overall, I remember my dad saying once he had this expression. He learned this from somebody. I can't remember. Probably just got it from his dad, but. He's talking about there's as you're climbing the ladder of life, mm-hmm. there's like which rung are you going to reach for? You know, so when the bad things happen, are you leaning into the resentment, right? Mm-hmm. Or leaning into the opportunity of what's next? And it's like, and over time, you know, just like when you're climbing a ladder, if you always go with your left hand, you're going to always start do. with your left hand. Yeah. 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 Or you're going to go with your right hand first. And that was just a helpful image of, of, yeah, moment by moment, we're not always going to be perfect, but overall, is there a general disposition uh, towards joy, towards prayer, towards thanksgiving? Towards gratitude. Yes, yes, gratitude. Towards gratitude. I, I, I find in the Christian community, uh, that's usually not the, the strong suit that people lead with, with mm-hmm. gratitude. I'm thankful right now. We've got some things going on in our lives, and I'm thankful that it's no worse. Mm-hmm. But I learned to cultivate that gratitude living in Ghana uh, for those four years that we were there as missionaries because things could have really always yeah. been worse. They could have always mm-hmm. been worse. And and so when I'm tempted to grumble here, I, I have to try to will myself back to remembering how much worse things could be and uh, how, how privileged we are that this is all that there is. You know, this, this is all that's going on right now because it could be worse. So, so developing an attitude hmm. that seeks to find God in the situation 
that seeks to pray without ceasing, especially when we don't uh, understand or know what to do with our situations, that seeks gratitude, that seeks joy, and that that does not try to stop the Spirit's fire. Mm-hmm. I'm still hung there. I'm still hung there because yeah. I think that Spirit's fire is a purifying fire of the Holy Spirit that comes to us and that God is at work in us and around us. And sometimes we are getting in the way, trying to fix it and make it go the way we think it should have gone. And so um, those two things are really grabbing me in this text. Sanctification is grabbing me very heavily in this text and not stopping the will of God because we don't know what God is doing most of the time. And yet we want to always intervene and make it out right as we Yeah, (laughs) yeah. That connection is really powerful. Let's take a quick break and come back and uh, zoom out a little bit. All right. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my guest, uh, Sophia Fasua. And we're looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 24. 1 Thessalonians 5. 16 through 24. Um, before we zoom out, I, I was getting just kind of fascinated by this one little phrase. What's that? That kind of creates a pattern, right? So you get the, you get three, three lines. I, I, I wish that more English translations would put these little rhythmic moments into poetry. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to visualize it for a moment, it's like, I'll, I'll just, I'll kind of do the rhythms. You get these three lines opening it with, at all times, be joyful, unceasingly be in prayer, in all things, give thanks or have gratitude. Mm-hmm. And then this little pause, for this is the will of God in the yes. Messiah Jesus unto you. And then you get these short ones again, the spirit, quench not, prophecy, uh, despise not, mm-hmm. yet all things test, uh, the good holding it near but from every kind of evil, hold it away. And we can talk about the second half in a moment. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you can feel like I, I could see, you know, sometimes you get these little poems in Paul, yeah. but then you, but you can tell he's, he might even be quoting something that was passing around, but he's, of course, these would have all been oral and then written down by a, right. by a exactly. secretary. And it feels to me that this little phrase for this is God's will in Christ for you is almost like a little aside. It doesn't fit yeah. the, the poetry of it, which is good. That's not a complaint, you know, cause you can see when you're quoting something, you might pause sure, and make a sure, comment. Sure. And I wonder if that's modifying ends up modifying the whole poem or like, it's such a great phrase because we use it in the church, right? What's God's will for my life. Right. Yeah. And it's just really cool that the Bible has like, Paul said, this is what God's will is like God's will has been revealed. It's, there it is. It's to, you know, it's uh, rejoicing and, and, and praying and thanking. I mean, this is, this is the, the, the essence of the Christian life kind of just laid out for us. Right. Right. Uh, I heard something, uh, uh, go back to the one that's usually uh, translated despise, not prophecy. Mm -hmm. I think the word contempt was how you. Oh, I don't know what 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 I I was I'm I'm just sight reading, so I was guessing oh, okay, different yeah, words. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, <clears throat> but despise, contempt. Yeah. Uh, 
cast um, out? There's probably way too much contempt in the church. Yeah. Um, yeah. Contempt for other people's gifts, especially the ones we don't understand, the wacky, you know, the wacky Christians that we got among us sometimes that, you know, we don't uh-huh. understand and here they come again and my goodness and and but 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 to 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 learn to receive each other's gifts with gratitude mm-hmm. ex- instead of contempt. Mm-hmm. The body of Christ is a really motley crew. Yeah. We are a strange bunch when you put us together. And so there is that level of contempt that often comes in in our dealings with one another. Absolutely. And often I have found that the person that I wanted to kind of shun or, or, or back away from sometimes had the word for the day. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't do it with a thus saith the Lord and a mighty flourish and, and all of that, but just a, a simply spoken word that I almost miss mm-hmm. because I'm trying to get away from because they're odd, you know. <laughs> and there we are putting out the fire of the spirit. And I mean, the next line is yeah. so helpful you know, yet test all things. Yet and, test all things. Yes. And I think some of us imagine, I think some, uh, some of us might be inclined to say, to just be a, a prophecy enthusiast, right? Yes. Where it's yes. like, oh, everything, you know, it's everything. all good. If it, if it feels cool, if it feels spiritual. And then I think others of us might be tested, uh, tempted to, to run race right to ch- chapter to verse 21. Oh, I'm testing everyone, but actually it's just mm-hmm. a stance mm-hmm. of contempt. Mm-hmm. Um, I know in advance that uh, the people that I don't respect <laughs> and that I don't look to for guidance. Right. Are, and they can't tell me anything. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's contempt. That's it. That's it. So we, 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 here we are, you know, we're all bundled in together and some of us are, uh, have gifts that are more attractive and some of us are odd mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. we often despise one another and miss the word. Uh, and the, even the, 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 the term prophecy, hearing the word of God spoken aloud to us through another person might be the mm. simplest definition I could give of prophecy and it doesn't have to come with a drum roll and a spotlight case in point. My husband's going through some medical challenges and we, we live in a senior community. And so he went down to share with our resident sage down the street. Who's 97. Hmm. He's 97. And before the COVID he went to the gym every day to work out. Hmm. And he says, I go every day that I can and I work as hard as I can and as long as I can because I know that muscle tone comes slower in old age or whatever. So now he's he's seated because all of our gyms and all that are closed. And he goes to, to our friend and he says, I've gotten this diagnosis. This is going on in my life, blah, 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 blah. And the old man who has survived all manner of illness hmm. twinkled. In his eyes, he has a twinkle eye. He's a Gideon. He's a Gideon. If that tells you anything about him at all, that's all you need to know. He's a Gideon. Uh, And he twinkled back at him and he said, you can survive this. Hmm. And the words were spoken as though they came from God. Mm -hmm. Because after that, there was no more anxiety. There was no fear or apprehension. 
And every time the, the, the thought would come up, he, my, my, my husband would say, oh, I've been told it by, by a very reliable yeah. source, I can survive this. So that I felt like that was a word of prophecy. And he's practicing it, right? 21, test yeah. everything. And, and part of the test was that, that twinkle, that sense of feeling, yeah. that awareness, and then the cling to what's good, right? To keep cling coming to back good. to that when you're tempted to, to yes, exactly. quench the spirit exactly. and lose your joy. But, but yeah. who in, you know, in churches, we think prophecy looks a little different. Right. It, it, it's not quite like that. It, it's different. It's different the way we, we perceive prophecy. But in our everyday spirituality, I saw that as a word of prophecy. It was a word of reassurance. I, I'm sure that this, this resident felt it given as a word of reassurance. Right. But we received it as a word of prophecy, <clears throat> as, as though it came very directly from God, because uh, that was the word that was needed at the time. And yeah, that and that, that's get everything right. And that's an important distinction, actually, that, that what matters in the recognition of prophecy is its, is its reception, yes. right? More than it's uh, the, the one who's handing it on, you know. Because this you know, man. He doesn't need to know he was being a prophet. He was just. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. And he, he's, he's a very uh, devout, uh, walks humbly with his God, you know, kind of mm-hmm. man. He would never have said, now, listen. I'm going to give you a word from the Lord. That's not how it came out. Mm-hmm. He just paused, absorbed the bad news, and then leaned in and said, you can survive this. End of conversation. They went on, talked about something else. He would never have said, let me give you a word from the Lord. You know? Yeah, it's wild. It's almost, uh, you can almost see in that story a little picture or parable of, what Paul is doing in this text. Yes. Right. And this is to the context that you were mentioning earlier. I mean, he's not writing to, I mean, Thessalonica is a, is a major city in Macedonia, Northern Greece. Yes. Um, Jews were not looked upon well. No. And the, and the Jewish community there didn't look very well on this particular brand of Judaism called Christianity. Yeah. So, (laughs) So there was like a double layer of of complication and complexity. Double ostracized, yeah. And and according to the Book of Acts, there was there was a bit of a riot, and uh, there was, it was uh, a row about it. Yes. Yeah, Jason was left for dead on the edge of the town. So I yeah, mean, yeah, there there was some. So there was some rough stuff, and to. And that's so crucial for then hearing a text like this, not as yes. a kind of it's not grand, um, but uh, but Paul, who was who was uh, you know not as old as this man, but would have he's seen a lot, he's been yeah, through he's a lot, seen a lot, and he's been beaten a lot too. Yes, he has, and this would have been after the second missionary journey, so he would have had, and he had some serious physical challenges, uh, yes. some some health issues in the first exactly. journey. And so, you know, he's writing this to people, sort of offering that word of encouragement. And interestingly, almost, uh, this is just a random thought that popped in my mind, but I mean, especially as we're starting on epistles, like when Paul was, you know, writing this letter and most of his letters, you know, he's not like thinking, hey, I'm writing scripture. He's just writing letters. He's just writing letters. Words of, And he seldom says, I'm speaking for the Lord here. He actually oh. sometimes says things like, I'm not speaking for the Lord here. I'm just talking for myself. He'll even say that right, occasionally. Right, right, right. But it's these churches who treasured these letters. 
as from the Lord. And it's the, and it's the church over the centuries that has come to recognize. So in many ways, the, the prophecy wasn't in, in the prophet, uh, but in the community, you know, I think that's the point we're making right now. It's in the reception and being able to hear a word that comes from God from unlikely sources. Yeah, and I wonder if there's a structure, not to over overthink it, but a structure even to this, this a pattern here, a structure here, because it doesn't begin with, you know, talk of prophecy and spirit and testing. It begins in this very uh this the the language of the good humors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which makes me wonder, you tell me if I'm overreading, but if the continual rejoicing, praying, and thanksgiving are at least logically a bit of a prerequisite to, you know, being more open to, attentive to the spirit. I think so. Uh, receptive think so. to prophecy. You know what I mean? I think so. I think so. Um, again, they're under adversity. They, they started with a mess, you know, they started with that, that riot and Jason being beaten and, and, you know, and and all of that. Some of them were heard the word of, of, of Paul and, and broke off from this little Jewish synagogue. And then, you know, the, 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 the violence starts and they stay with the group. But I, I, I sense that those Christians are like our Christians too much adversity makes people mean. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Uh, so, 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 um, keeping in mind that the the divisions that are given in the lectionary were were given for expedience and they were arbitrary and all mm-hmm. that, but my paragraphing here goes to to uh, verse twelve. Now, mm-hmm, we ask too. you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold <laughs> them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle and encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone, make sure that no one, nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind. And then it goes into joyful, always pray continually. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, they're having some troubles here. Yeah, you wouldn't say all that unless there was, uh, <laughs> yeah. especially that opening line about those who are laboring among you and those who are over you in the Lord. And admonish you this kind of clearly there's been some something some contempt some conflict some resistance yeah and of course paul himself uh, was susceptible to the meanness uh from time to time you know <laughs> he these words actually for me have more power knowing that these virtues didn't all come naturally to Paul. They did not come naturally. <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to hear advice about how to be sweet from someone who's always been sweet. Oh, they don't know how to become sweet. I want to know how to become how sweet. It is to be sweet. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I know it was hard for Paul. You can tell. It was. His personality comes through in the, in the letters. Right. Um, and and he had a hard edge. Uh huh. Yeah, and his had, zeal. Yeah, he did. He did. He did. And and just his own narrative. I mean, he would not have been a, a leader of persecution uh, if he didn't have that hard edge. You know. Yeah. Uh, so 
that gives a flavor to these, I think, these texts it does. Uh, it for does. me that makes them more plausible. Has, has had to struggle in his yeah. own uh, personal life uh, with these kinds of issues. And then seeing that, you know, that they started under a cloud and, and a, under a fight. And these people have hunkered down. We're back to that word again. They have hunkered down. They have mm. held on to their faith. And sometimes in our resistance, we over-resist. You know, and in yeah. our, our, our steadfastness, we are overzealous. And I, I remember hearing, uh, you know, I don't quote Chunk Swindoll very often, but he said, the heresy is often truth gone to seed. So sometimes we, we start with a good thing because we're holding fast, we're, we're, we're holding on, we're keeping what we believe is true and right, and, and yet we've done it so hard that we've been unkind, we've been harsh, we've been harsh with one another, you know, so it looks like that kind of a situation could very well be implied from the words that are written here, that something is going on and they need to remember how to have godly disposition and, and how to, to handle one another as, as each person is from the Lord. And then how even to hear God speaking in their midst, uh, mm-hmm. despising not prophecy, and how not to quench the spirit. You know, so, so there's something gone on here, and I don't think it was just for their time. I think the word survived in the canon because we need them from time to time. Yeah. I think we need them now. Uh, I, oh, my. And, and the difficulty of it. For Paul, for for me, for lots, and for all of us in harder times, mm-hmm. that's what makes uh, twenty three and twenty four just so encouraging. Because after oh. all this, this isn't hey, buck up and sanctify yeah. yourselves. It's yeah. a prayer, a, a it's blessing. A blessing. It's a blessing. May the God of peace Himself sanctify yeah. you entirely. I love it when everyone says like. Entire sanctification is not in the Bible. Well, if you want, if you want a proof text, here's your proof text. Um, and at least Paul prays for it. So pray for it, right? Uh, he prays it for them that your whole spirit, soul, and body be blameless at the coming. And that blameless, that that sanctifying and blamelessness is seems to be linked to the fire, right, of the Spirit who sanctifies. And the coming of our Lord Jesus is that final fire. And then this last line, 24, I mean, this one, I have this written up on my wall, so just to encourage me all the time. The one who called you is faithful. Yes. Right? I've got it in Greek on my wall, but at my office, I'm at home. Yeah. It's real small, and it's above, it's above where someone would sit who's, who's coming to meet with me to remind yeah. me that he is the one who's going to do the work, not me. Right. Faithful is the one who has called y'all. And he also will do it or will perform it, right? So yes. sanctification is not something we do to ourselves. Yes. Like, ooh, gotta gotta fake it, try to be more joyful. Oh, goodness. It's about it's about letting that letting the spirit stir these holy humors in us. And not quenching it while it's stirring. Yes, yes, yes. Not quenching it while it's stirring. Right. This yeah, is and it's so funny. Next. Yeah. Yeah. It's so many in that word study we did earlier. How many of the quenchings were? It was negative. It was fire, you know, that you can't put out or that you did put out. There's one more in Hebrews that we didn't look at that was kind of a 
mm-hmm. they quenched fires or extinguished fires. Yeah. Um, but here it's very clear that the that the the fire here is to be welcomed. Welcome um, the fire. Welcome the cleansing. Mm-hmm. Welcome the cleansing. Yeah. May the God of peace sanctify you entirely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He himself will do it. Let's take a quick break and uh, come back and explore some sermon starters. All righty. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. Here with my guest, Sophia Fasua, and we're looking at First Thessalonians five sixteen through twenty four in its broader context, as well as the context of the Advent season, uh, for which this text is a sign. Let's uh, let's explore some sermon starters. Where would you like to go with a text like this? I would start with verse twenty three. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. This is what the NIV is saying. The mm-hmm. old NIV. Uh, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you faithful and will do it. And then I'd work backwards into the text. I think that's wise. Yeah. You know what a fun move you could do is to start with 23, then work backwards, and then come back to 24 at the end. Come back to 24. Right? To kind of – Right. Because – over the course of you know the so you and you kind of so you kind of start and end with the work of God exactly and then frames the 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 sort of conscience burden that might that might stir that was just a thought right and and, and actually the political context could be signaled mm-hmm. with the phrase coming this word parousia mm. right mm-hmm. um in the parousia of our Curios, Lord, mm-hmm. right? Though both of those words are political terms, they are. The Thessalonians would be very attuned to mm. the the curios. It's Caesar is curios, not anyone else. Mm-hmm. One, there'd be lots of gods. They mm-hmm. they were fine with lots of gods, but there's mm-hmm. one Lord, mm-hmm. and and then the coming, that Advent, Parousia. This is an arrival. I think mm-hmm. arrival is almost a better translation because that sounds more, you know, like a event. Right. Yes. Yeah, um, I was going to say event. Yeah. <laughs> or visitation or mm-hmm. something like that. This is the word for a um, either the coming home of a conquering Caesar uh-huh. or when a Caesar visits a colony. That's good, um, that's good to, to understand because there were other words that could have been used. That's right. That's right. Right. Because he does say appearing, the appearing of him sometimes yeah. he uses. Yeah. And that's more that's more apocalyptic language, whereas the arrival language is more. Uh, the parousia is a very political term. Oh yeah. Uh, and I mentioned that to say that would be a way, I mean, we talked about context earlier in the, in the mm-hmm. episode here, but if you wanted to make a sort of reference to the, the sociopolitical context in the sermon, you could do it as a brief comment on that word That's it. arrival. So then it doesn't sound like you're like, cause I don't know. Sermons where they go on the, when you go on, yeah, when you go off on a, like a national, you know, national geographic aside of the context of the letter, you know, you can only go so long on that stuff, but if you can link it to a a word, then people, and of course, then your, your listeners are like, you know, and your, your congregation or people in a Bible study or whatever. Now they know to kind of, Hey, every time you see that word now, 
you, right. you can have a little and association. I, I think that's important because people also often see the Bible as apolitical. Mm -hmm. As though they didn't mm -hmm. deal with any politics in there. And yet they are dripping with politics because the politics is affecting their lives. The, yeah. the, the oppression of the Roman Empire, you know, over the New Testament times, it's a constant pall that's yes. there. Yes. And they're constantly having to deal with that in the context of their faith. And and uh, we we always think about politics as a, as a, an aside, but no, we mm -hmm. live in a world that is politicized, and it, it's something that we can't escape. Yeah. So rejoicing always, praying yeah. without ceasing, giving thanks in all things has a has a flavor. That's another reason to start with twenty three if you're going to make that. Yes. Yes. So that's a different flavor when you know you have the boot of the empire on your neck. Uh, Yep, taking away your joy. Um, and making I mean, the word, the yes. word here for prayer, this is the word that you would use to make a – you would use this exact same verb mm -hmm. to make a request before a powerful official. That's it. Right? A petition. We still yeah. use the word. I mean, we work at a you know, university or you uh, are recently retired there from, but right? Yes. You do a petition. <laughs> There's a form called a petition when a you're petition. asking the authorities to change something. An exception, um, please. Yes. Yep. Yep. That's that's yeah. this term. Again, this is not a religious word in the sense of religious versus no. secular. It's a, it's a everyday word. And when he says to, you know, be in petition uh, unceasingly before God – Yes. Um, is a, is a, that's is a subtle, belongs. Yeah. that's right. It's a subtle resistance. It's a subtle um, form of resistance. So, so dealing with the, the benediction or the blessing first, mm -hmm. uh, when people are broken, because these are obviously broken people that we're, we're looking at in the text here, when people are broken, they don't need to be beaten. Yeah. Yeah. And, don't start with imperatives. Rejoice. No, 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 pray. No, no, no. Why aren't you praying enough? Pray more. Yeah, right? That's yeah, how it's yeah, going to come yeah, off. Yeah. You let God down because you didn't pray, you know, whatever. Mm. Uh, but, but broken people don't need to be beaten. They first need balm. Mm. Mm -hmm. And after you have given them the balm of Gilead and the blessing of God and the reminder that they are beloved and they are loved of God, then these are the ways we could do better. Mm -hmm. These are the ways we could do better. So I think any congregation, you know, I'm not in a, and I'm not, not in a pulpit right now, but any congregation that I would approach, especially during this season, we're what, seven months into a restricted, um, you know, social life and, 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 and family life and all of that kind of thing. And, and it'll probably be nine months or, or 10 months by the time we get to this text. Uh, People are fragmented and they are fractured and they're confused and they're tired and the worst is coming out of them. And God is calling us to our best moment. Mm -hmm. And so may the God who is able to do these kinds of things, do it in your life. I, I speak the blessing over them first mm -hmm. and acknowledge the pain, acknowledge the brokenness, not chide with them or do any blaming or explaining how we got to be broken. That's not even important at this point. <laughs> the important part is to say, God, I'm broken. Fix me. Mm -hmm. And God's given us the prescription, just like a doctor writing out a prescription for health, for soul health. And, and, and God, now, now you are the one that brings it to pass. Your fire, your spirit, your power, you're the only one that brings this to pass in our lives. 
and I would join the congregation uh, among the petitioners for these things to happen. I would not, as a preacher, set myself outside of the need, but uh, not my mother, not my father, but it's us, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I would, I would stand there with them, petitioning mm. God for these things to be worked out in our lives. But no, I'd start with the benediction. Yeah, that's that's powerful. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a common mistake we make in preaching because we want it to be, you know, we want to get people's attention. Yeah. And so we want to start with problem mm -hmm. uh, or we want to start with imperative, you know, and we tend to think of uh, blessing as something benediction. It's even a word for, you know, yeah, the thing yeah. that comes at the end. Right. Yeah. So to have that up front, I think would would be really powerful. That's a really that's a really powerful suggestion about how to, live, how to frame I a sermon. If we were live, you know, and I don't know when we're going to all get back to live unrestricted worship again, you know, mm -hmm. but if we were live, I'd have them to go around the room and bless one another with these words. Yeah. Yeah. If we were on screen, which is poss possibly where we may still be in December, bless one another with these words, everyone within under your roof and in your household. Yep. Speak these words of blessing over them. Yeah. That'd be really great to teach people how to practice blessing because it's not a thing well, usually only ministers really know this kind of, although, you know, in the ancient world, this was just something people mm -hmm. did, the, the pronouncing of blessing pronouncing over one of another. Blessing. That's right. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And that's it. And you'd only have to do that. You wouldn't have to get the whole no, sentence no, for the, no, no. yeah. Right although in these times, yeah. may your whole spirit and soul and body, yeah. right? That, that, oh, that language oh. is important. This is holistic, not just spiritual things, not just the mind, um, but the body as well. Yeah. But this is write it on the wall, write it on the mirror, mm -hmm. write it on your forehead and remind yourself that God wants you to survive this and that you, you, you can, you can, you can do this. Many people that are at the end of their strength, I'm hearing uh, reports from the field, you know, uh, that even old season ministers are getting at the end of their strength at this mm -hmm. particular moment, because we've always done it this way and nothing that we do now is working. Mm -hmm. and, uh, the, and this is the end of life as we know it for this time. Uh, people are giving up. They're fainting. So this reminder, God will do it. Mm -hmm. God will do it. God will, you can't, you can't do it. And yeah, so God a, will do it. There's a part of me that almost wants to say, you know, anyone who's listening to this, when it drops this advent, you know, especially Christmas season, you oh, probably yeah. planned what you've probably planned way ahead on your preaching and oh, yeah. maybe you've already got something up and running Christmas related. Maybe this text this week's maybe just for you. <laughs> dear listener, right? Uh, to to lean into this, to just know that God is the one who's gonna gonna do this sanctifying work in you and in your people, That's it. and to be relieved a little of that burden, and therefore be released to lean into to joy and to prayer, to thanksgiving, and to quench not the spirit. Because I mean, this is a time to not quench the spirit. 
ironically, a lot of, a lot of us who are teaching, preaching, serving communities are busying ourselves to try to figure out how to get the religious goodies that we have into the people. Mm -hmm. Um, and it could be that there are things happening that the spirit's working and, and it's not implausible that some of what we're trying to do is actually just getting in the way and beginning to test everything Mm -hmm. to test, to ask, you know, what is it that we're really called to offer? What do the people really need right now? How is the spirit moving? You know, and those can be hard questions because they can have, you know, financial and institutional implications. So, oh, but yes. all, but isn't that what quenches spirit most of all is, is uh, clinging to uh, institutional familiarity and. No, uh, we inertia. wanted a building. <laughs> we right, didn't right. <laughs> right. We didn't want house groups. We wanted a building. <laughs> right. Exactly. 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 Hmm. Wow. Any, uh, any thoughts, uh, since this will be your only, uh, episode during the Advent Christmas season this year, um, and you can connect it up with the text or, or run wherever you want with it. But do you have anything you'd like to share with our listeners about Advent and Christmas, uh, worship, uh, preaching, uh, prayer? I'd just love to hear from you on that. Um, Advent I, you know, I, I used to uh, a long time ago when I was was more active in, in ministry, I used to go around to some of our conferences and do Advent um, workshops, getting preachers and their worship planners ready for Advent. And um, just the origins, this was the second Lent or actually, yeah, this was the this is this was the the, the other Lent and it was as long as the other Lent originally. And the people began to complain that they couldn't do so much fasting back to back because, you know, there's really only a few weeks from the end of Advent to the beginning of Lent. They couldn't do all that fasting back to back. So it was by concession. It was shortened to four weeks. Okay. I didn't realize that because I knew it was a, I I know it was called St. Martin's Lent at one point. I think it used to start on St. Martin's Day. After the Feast of St. Martin's, it was, you know, it would come after the, you know, the, right after the Feast of St. Martin's. So it was. Because if, if Easter, if Easter feast gets a fast, then Christmas feast should get a fast. It makes exactly. kind of logical sense, yeah. but it was burdensome. I see. That makes sense. It was burdensome, but the themes for Advent were the four last things. Death, hell, judgment. And I think maybe heaven might have been in there. I, the four, I, my medieval theology is a little rusty right now. But yeah, the four was, the four last things are the coming of Christ, which is referenced here, the arrival mm-hmm. of Jesus, the general resurrection, the the judgment, mm-hmm. uh, and eternal life and death. Right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that one could go either way, depending. Well, <laughs> they, they chose to preach on hell on the fourth Sunday of Advent. Okay, <laughs> yeah. fourth Sunday. The yeah, well, that and that would match the four last things. Yeah, yeah. so it's yeah, like so a threat. Four, it was used as a threat. Yeah. So those were the common themes that they used the four last things during Advent. And, wow, I had um, no idea that the four last things were linked to the four. Fascinating. Yeah. We took it happy. We 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 turned it into fa la 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 la, but it was supposed to be a somber, reflective time. I think we're going to have one this year. I think huh. we're going to end up huh. with a somber, reflective time during Advent if we don't quench the Spirit's work. 
a time where we actually can do some self-examination and some uh, some reflection on the kinds of lives that we lead, our own sanctification. There, we're back to the text again. But those four four Sundays were dealing with the four last things. Hell was the the, the topic that was the Sunday before uh, Christmas, and it was supposed to have been similar to a fast time. We took it to the happy commercial time. Wow. Well, of course, funny enough, I've been fighting for years to get people to experiment with fasting during uh, Advent. See. Um, and the fact is, is a lot of people are going to be uh, not going to as many parties this year. No. Nope. Uh, so it might be an opportunity. Uh, yeah. And then really feast for the 12 days of Christmas. Exactly. Because wow. the, the feasting came after Christmas. We, we uh, got rid of the 12 days of Christmas, really. Some churches keep them, you know, some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then, of course, we know that that Orthodox thing with, with January 6th being Christmas, you know, uh, on right. the eastern side of the, of the, of the family. But, um, no, Advent was never supposed to be what we turned it into. And maybe this is turning the world right side up during hmm. this season rather than upside down. Wow. So, so what is the Spirit's work going on <sighs> during this Advent? What, what really is God trying to do? Because I cringe every Advent. Um, yeah, me too. Of the way that we, <laughs> and I, I cringe every Advent and I don't, go, I don't do Christmas shopping. I get everything out of the way that I need to do gift giving before Thanksgiving because I don't like the season. Uh, but, but this year will be different. Hmm. And will yeah. we finish the Spirit's work? Will we insist on doing all the things that we've always done to make merry? Or will we reflect on the, the implications of the coming of Christ into the world? Hmm. First of all, the need, and then the yeah. implications and the ripple effect that continues even out to our century. What is the Spirit's work for this Advent? That would be the question that I'd ask. Yeah. And now Rejoice Always has a very different flavor, you know, and the distinction between joy and merriment. Yes. Right. Um, There's eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Exactly. And then there's Rejoice Always. Yes. You know, uh, pray without ceasing. And there's a similarity and yet crucial difference between joy and merriment. And that could be an aside or, or, or could be the substance of a whole different sermon oh, yeah. uh, idea. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just wanted your general advice and it was fabulous. I knew you'd have something to say. You're, you're the best. Thank you so much, Sophia. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I, I was r- rusty on the medieval uh, theology, but uh, they used that as a way to, to walk their way through the journey. That makes perfect sense because of the, there were a lot of these doctrinal preaching recommendations in the Middle Ages and, and it was the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of makes sense that, and you kind of go through the life of Christ and during the, 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 the spring and a little bit in the summer. So it kind of makes, you know, Pentecost, you know, there's a sequence to it. So the idea of Advent as kind of the end of one year and the beginning of another has a certain and then, logic and, to and it. And we needed Christ to keep us from going to hell. Yep. And in, and in, and in a North, uh, in a Northern hemisphere, uh, agrarian society, you know, Last last things in December kind of go together. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. And some of that's a little dark. We don't have to go all the way back to that. But some of that has some insight that we've lost. And yeah, that's we, what I'm hearing we, you we say. Lost something by turning it into one month long, the, the hanging of the greens. And oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> You're naughty. I like you. I know. <laughs> 
Well, and, and part of it, I mean, it's connected to the loss of the 12. Like if you're not going to stretch out Christmas, then you, then it ends up bleeding back in, you know? Yeah, it did. So it bled the wrong way. 12 is very powerful. Well, thanks so much for spending an hour uh, with the text, with me and with our listeners. Appreciate it so much. It was I really fun. I learned this. a lot. I enjoy this text. I enjoy our conversations here together. Uh, I hope that it's beneficial to our listeners to be able to, to eavesdrop on these conversations. But uh, <laughs> yeah. it's a delight to be here. Oh, thanks so much. And thanks, uh, thanks, Todd and Eric, for your production work. Can't imagine doing this without you. Thanks, Tom Adamson, for donating that theme music. And most of all, we thank you listeners. Uh, for tuning in and for getting the word out around the show and supporting the show in all the ways that you do, uh, including through uh, becoming a patron, which will be uh, being launched. You'll have inf- more information for that in January. So, uh, But with that, we say have a good preach and a great week. Bye-bye. Bye.